This is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So this week we have another double Parsha, Achrei Mot Kedoshim, which has many different things, as most double Parshas do, and begins with the... It's debated exactly what it's called, but let's call it the purification ritual of the tabernacle post the death of Nadav and Avihu that ends up also being referred to in the Torah as the purification ritual or the sin ritual for Yom Kippur. And it is an incredibly unique process um, and ritual that we really don't see a parallel to almost anywhere else in the Torah. So roughly a rough overview is that Aaron is supposed to take two goats and one is sacrificed. Well, first of all, they do a, a goral, um, like lots to determine which goat is going to go to God and which goat is going to be used for another purpose. We'll discuss in a moment. And then the one, the goat that is designated for God gets slaughtered and is treated as a chatat, which is um, a kind of a sin offering. And then the other goat, Aharon takes the goat and confesses all the sins of the people onto it. And then it is sent off into the Mibar, into the wilderness for Azazel. So a couple of things that stand out and make this, this a unique ritual is first of all, this second goat is sent off, but it's not killed. There's only one other time in the Torah with the Mitzorah, this purification ritual, that where a bird is sent off, then an animal is sent off to go elsewhere away from here and not slaughtered as part of a, a kind of a, a, a purification ritual or else that happens in connection to the Kohanim and in connection to the tabernacle. Now, the second thing, of course, that we have to ask here is what on earth is Azazel? Uh, it's incredibly unclear what this is referring to, the text seems to assume that we're gonna know what it means. And there's lots of rabbinic debate over what Azazel is that we're not gonna devote time to today, but there's an opinion that Azazel was a demon that we're trying to appease, that it's it's an imaginary demon that we're just kind of trying to appease, not because we really believe in it, but because we wanna give people the, the comfort, the satisfaction of thinking we're appeasing some demon that doesn't exist. Or there's also an opinion that this is actually connected to God, and this is some kind of alternative offering to God. But again, we're not gonna focus on that because there's so much to say about that alone that we won't get to anything else. So let's just focus for a minute on the experience of witnessing this whole ritual, right? The Kohen takes the one goat for God, slaughters it, it's the Chatat, okay, fine. And then the Kohen takes the second goat and in verse 21, it's, it's really interesting. It says that Aaron puts his two hands on the head of the goat that's still alive, the second goat, and he confesses on it, et kol avonot b'nei Israel, ve'et kol p'sha'ehem, ve'et kol chatotam, right? He confesses on it all their different kinds of sins, right? Three different words for different kinds of sins that exist. So it seems like taking the totality of what the Jewish people have done wrong and projecting it all onto this goat. And the Torah literally says that, right? He puts them onto the goat's head. And then what does he do? He sends it off to the Midbar. And then the next Pasuk in 22, So the, the, the goat carries on it all of their sins. 
El Eretz Bamidbar. Right, so it takes all of these sins off to the wilderness, to a sort of a barren land, the Midbar, which we know from studying the Torah in general is a liminal space, right? The, the Israelites stay in the Midbar because it's, we also see later in, in this um, in this Parsha, it's not Egypt and it's also not Israel yet. It's this space that they're able to have in which they're only themselves. But of course, it's also defined by lack of resources, by lack of grounding. And that is where we send this goat off to Azazel. And so, First of all, you're, if you're witnessing this, what you're witnessing is a powerful moment of the, the Kohen saying, you know, the people have sinned in so many ways, we're putting it all into this goat. And then you watch it walk off, but you don't know what happened to it. Maybe it died because it's being sent to a place that doesn't have obvious resources that goats need. I don't know what those are. Or you're thinking, okay, maybe it's just, you know, I don't know, it's going to go find other goats and live a happy life. We have no idea where that goat goes. And so the symbolism of it is just fascinating in that respect, to take the serious moment of putting everything onto the goat and then just saying, well, we have no idea where it's going to end up. And I think that could be why our rabbis really reinterpreted this whole ritual. And the Mishnah in Yoma 6.6 says, that tells us explicitly, what did they do with the second goat? They would bring it to the top of a cliff, and then the Kohen would basically push it down the cliff along with, with, a, with a rock, and it would be like dashed to pieces on its way down. So that is completely different than what we see in the shot of the text. The goat isn't just sent off to a place we don't know. No, it's taken to, to sort of a, a different area, location, but it's not left to our imagination to think about what happened to it. We know exactly what happens to it. It gets shoved down a cliff and brutally killed. So why? Why would the rabbis change that? Well, I think that if you really spend a minute thinking about the experience of watching your sins wander off and not know what happened to them, it actually kind of makes a lot of sense to have the rabbis think that actually the goat should be killed. This feels a lot more like atonement. It's a lot more like what we actually are familiar with with the rest of the time when the Torah gives us, Korbanot gives us commandments, is that the things are slaughtered before us. Right for other sins, you you know you put your hands on the animal. It's like you're projecting yourself into it, and then it's slaughtered. And so, if that's what we're doing as a collective nation with this goat, this Yerlazazel, then it would, it, would, it would follow that, of course, you're going to kill it as well, and that you're not just going to let it live and wander off. So we can kind of understand why they would go in that direction. It's a lot more satisfactory, um, and and you're, there's no wondering. Their curiosity doesn't have to get the better of you. It's done. Now, I find these like two really fascinating different models for how we handle sin, and especially fascinating because it's, they're rooted in the same text, and there's a lot of symbolism in this. Now, with the shot of the text, the simple meaning, when you send that goat off, in many ways, it's it's really the opposite of confrontation. Speaking on a symbolic level, you're taking, you're bringing all the sins that you've done to the fore of your mind, putting them on an animal, and then you're sending it away. But you're kind of sending it away in a way that you don't know, you could re-encounter it again. 
just like you could re-encounter the goat again. You, you, you don't have the closure of knowing, of resolving it, of knowing what happened to it. It just kind of goes somewhere else. But if you follow the rabbi's interpretation, that it gets shoved down a cliff and killed and dashed to pieces, well, that's confrontation and destruction. You know exactly where all your sins went. They were completely destroyed, again, in this like gruesome, awful way. And yeah, that's a much, in some ways, much more satisfactory way of thinking about your sins and the symbolism of your sins. Then in order to really cleanse yourself of what you've done wrong, you have to shove it down a cliff and let it be destroyed. Now, I think that this is like a very interesting dual model to think of, whether the sins linger and you don't know whether when you're going to re-encounter them again, or whether you get the satisfaction and the confrontation of shoving them down the, cl the cliff. And I was thinking about this this week, especially because as a society, as an American society, we had a moment of serious justice this week when Derek Chauvin was convicted on all three counts of murdering George Floyd back in May. And this, this, when this conviction was announced on Tuesday afternoon, there were so many emotions that came out. There was rejoicing. There was relief, right? People, I mean, crying um, for all different reasons, feeling like George Floyd got some sense of justice, feeling that change might be coming or starting to come, in a, come at least a little bit if a jury was able to convict a police officer of murdering someone, let alone a Black man. It felt like that moment of watching the goat go down the cliff, right? You see justice playing out right before your eyes. But what many have pointed out, and I think it's really important to remember, is that we shouldn't be too satisfied with this. That we shouldn't think that because a police officer who murdered a man in cold blood on video, the fact that he was convicted means that we now live in a fully just society and things have been fixed that really this is the bare minimum, frankly, of what should have happened to him. And that by if we project all of our visions of justice onto this moment, then what we're doing in a way is confusing shoving the goat down the cliff with letting it wander into the wilderness. We're saying we had this moment of pure justice, but really it wasn't pure justice. That's because the original sins of racism still linger in our society in some ways. They are still very present in our society and we haven't in fact resolved them. And I was really struck by a quote that I heard from a woman named Sergeant Heather Taylor, who is a black police officer and president of the Ethical Society of Police. And she's a fascinating person. I've heard her on NPR a few times. She always, she's just a really, really interesting person. So if you ever have a chance to hear her, I strongly recommend it. And she said, in reaction to the Chauvin conviction, I don't believe racism is gonna leave the police force because we're a microcosm of society, right? So she doesn't think that the police force is gonna be able to rid itself of racism because the police force represents all of society and society still has a lot of race issues. And so you can't think that, that Chauvin's conviction was this moment of definitive justice of pushing a goat down a cliff when really so many of the problems and the racism that, that perpetuate these types of situations in the first place are still lingering within. And so when thinking about the different models of the Torah 
and then of the Mishnah, of what happens to this goat, I think they both have their place. We can't say definitively which one is better. They both have their place for what it means to confront sin and what it means to deal with sin. But I think the important thing to remember is that we can't actually conflate them and that the rabbis changed it for a reason and that both of these systems have their place. But the big mistake that we would make is confusing one for the other. Shabbat Shalom.